If I could describe to give my life tour in one word, it would be vulnerability. Showing up for yourself is so important. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanca. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I am your host, Lydia T. Blanco, and you know I'm always going to say that I'm extremely excited (laughs) to have you here. It just is the truth, okay? So I just got to New York probably two and a half, three hours ago from California, and I could not miss out on this opportunity to have this conversation with such a beautiful woman. But before we get into all of her beauty and greatness, <laughs> I just want to thank you for joining me on the Get My Life Tour. Every stop on this tour is designed with you in mind, and I want to thank you for coming back. If you are an active listener, and if this is your first time Welcome, welcome, bienvenidos. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I am thrilled that you decided to show up for yourself and take Mm. center stage in your life at this capacity. The Get My Life Tour is all about practicing vulnerability, mindfulness, showing up for yourself and taking center stage in a selfish way that is reflective of who you've been called to be so that you can best serve yourself and others, okay? And you know this is not a how-to podcast. This is a how to get through Mm. and how to get their podcast. So, welcome. And you know what? I'm just going to get right into it because I'm (laughs) super excited. You hear her and I'm like, okay, she's like, she's ready. Okay. So on this stop of the tour, I have with someone who is near and dear to my heart. She is a soror. She is a friend, a sister, extremely dope. Some will call her a unicorn. I call her Tony in the likes of girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> and her name is Natasha Jolene Benjamin. What a name. Oh, thank shout you, out thank to you. your mama and them for naming you that. Thank you. Shout out to them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it just has a ring. Oh my gosh. Natasha is a communications professional and entrepreneur who has been putting in work for nearly a decade, okay? She is not extremely old. She is in the (laughs) 30s club with me. Yeah, we just turned 30. (laughs) (laughs) And she has been transforming brands with her communications and social strategy expertise for the last eight years. She has built up brands from the ground up, such as Travel Noir. She has worked with established brands like Essence and the Tribeca Film Festival, Barnes & Noble's, Coca-Cola. The list goes on, and I can continue to go, but she's like, Lydia, A. Stop. Yeah. Uh, See, look. (laughs) I didn't have to say it. I'm like, literally, Okay, do not cringe. Shout out to your calling. You know what I'm saying? Like, look. We can't we look, this will get my life tour. Like right. you are you are center stage right now. Yes. So the light is on you. What is that uh real New York? I, I love the song, but it's so annoying. It's like shut a light on her. You, you know what? what? Yes, you know? and I'm side eyeing you right now. Because even the way you said it. Yes, girl. Do not Look, okay, I will not shine a light on you. I will. <laughs> Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really happy to be here. And I'm honestly I know it's you kind of put people center stage, but I do have to give you props. I remember when you first told me about this podcast and I was just so excited for you to do this because you were really taking kind of your own journey and how you can kind of bring other people along and really just have conversations about life. It wasn't really just particularly about professional or personal. This was just life. And I'm Mm -hmm. really, really proud of you and all of the things that you're doing. Oh my goodness! Thank you so much. You're oh welcome. My God. We were sitting in what's it called? What is it? Harlem? No, Sugar Hill. It was Ice Creamery. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes it was. Yes, on yes, Lennox. You first told me, mm-hmm. and we were having ice cream in mm-hmm. conversation about life. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is something I want to do. You're like, girl, you need to do your own thing. Let me tell you something. When I say entrepreneur, <laughs> Natasha is a <laughs> Like, she is a hustler, okay? (laughs) Nothing will stop her from securing the bag. And I love how you have that mentality 
in conjunction with your faith, because mm-hmm. I feel like as women who believe, we aren't often told to secure the bag, right? Right. And we're also not really encouraged to be engaged leaders, mm-hmm. if you will, right? There's mm-hmm. so many representation of women um, in the Bible or whatever book people mm-hmm. choose to read out of. But I feel like oftentimes we silence those figures or their yeah. stories go overlooked. So, you know, as you are on assignment here on earth, I love how you encourage other women to just be about their business. Right. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. Because I was like that. You gave me a kick I needed that Thank day, and I feel like that was nearly a year ago. It, I it was over feel a year like ago it. Now. It had it had to have been. Yes. It had to have been. Cause yeah, and most, look at you now. Look. Look at God, okay? <laughs> Look, you, everyone knows my intros are extremely lengthy. And it's not because I don't know how to be succinct. It, it's because of my 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 pure enthusiasm about mm-hmm. the women who come on tour with me. You are incredible. And I want people to know how incredibly dope you are. And I'm so excited for this conversation. So for everyone tuning in today, thank you for bearing with me through my long introduction. Um, This is what happens when, you know, you just love someone and like they are (laughs) showing up for you and themselves. But our conversation today is going to run deep. Um, I love the saying, still water runs deep. Mm. And you are so reminiscent of still water. You operate in so many different ways and you are in so many different spaces, but you are very quiet. You are very Mm -hmm. observant. You know who you know, you know what you know, and you keep it moving, right? Mm -hmm. This is like such a perfect explanation of me. Yes, you are so right. (laughs) You are so right. (laughs) And we met, let me give you all a little background story Mm because I always tell people how I met the guests. It's so crazy. (laughs) We met three years ago, nearly four years ago, really. Mm -hmm. And we were in DC for, in ABJ, the convention. Mm -hmm. And my friend was roommates with your friend and we both Mm -hmm. were like the plus one. So (laughs) there were four of us in the room. We all vibed immediately. And I walk in the room and Lauren was like, hey, I think, wait, are you both Delphus? And I was like, Huh? No, no right. way. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what year? And where? And da, 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 da. And we just hit it off immediately. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, look, let me tell you something. Either you're going to be down to be my sister or you're going to be down to be my sister. Okay. Right. Felt so, like Diddy when he was making a band, like he was going to either make this band or you're going to make this band. You see your options, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we clicked automatically. But those mm-hmm. are things that I most definitely noticed about you immediately and over the years. You are so about your business and to know you is to really love you, but you don't, you've never come off as someone who is super friendly in a sense where you have to know everybody. Like, and that's why I say to know you is to love you. Um, And I'm so grateful that you're going to give people the opportunity to know you better today. Thank you. I do have to say, you know, when we met, it's so crazy because um, I don't know if you remember, but we were at an event and people were like, oh, my God, are you guys best friends? Did y'all grow up together? I'm like, no, we met like exactly. ago. <laughs> It was meant to be. 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 It was like tail. You know, and then we went out to that uh, ESPN party together and I was like, oh my gosh. Right. Hang out in the club. Because I have this thing like if I can't go to the club, if you can't fight, I can't go to the club with you. Yo, I'm really done with you. I'm I'm so like, and I typically don't go out with anyone other than my line sisters and close friends and family. I think it's just like growing up in the Bay. You just had to be super hardcore. And like, if you were going out, you had to know you was going out. And right, you know what I'm saying? It just is what it is. <laughs> we so went out, we had a great time. And then right. you were sitting with me as I was doing like my edit test for this publication. Yes. You know, the time yes. I was fresh out of grad school and you were like, girl, don't be doing da 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 da. Then I got my heart broken and you were there and we went out mm-hmm. and we got food mm-hmm. and then I danced to Kamaya. Um, it was like real ratchet and what I, what I needed at the time. Um, yeah. And just so many different life transitions. Okay. So speaking of transitions, what we are Mm -hmm. going to talk about today is an active transition for you, right? Mm -hmm. As a daddy's girl. Um, (laughs) 
And what I would love to title this conversation is Daddy's Girl Having the Faith hmm. to Live in Love While Letting Go. Mm-hmm. And it is to really touch on who you are and how you are being shaped by the experience of being in a relationship with your father who is mm. alive, um, who is as well as he is going to be right now, but is living mm-hmm. with, you know, his illnesses. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you for being here and thank you for being willing to share your story with us. Um, you know, I've said so much about you and how we met and all this other <laughs> stuff, but in your own words, like tell us, who Natasha Jolene is. Mm, that's good. Um, you know, I try to, I try hard to stay away from titles because I, I, I really feel like titles don't make a person. I really think it's just who they are at the core. And, um, you know, me at the core, I, I'm just God's mm-hmm. servant, honestly. Um, God's servant, you know, a woman who's extremely proud to be black. And I, you know, I'm the daughter of Sinet and Paul Benjamin. And I mean, whatever that means to other people, um, you guys can kind of take it and dissect it how you like. But um, I mean, I could give you my full on bio if I wanted to. Um, But I think who you are um, is really, again, like I said, it's not about titles. It's not about... um, what you've done, I think it's really just your core and this impact and really this legacy that you're leaving behind. So, yeah. You know, and that just speaks to you being still water, right? It does <laughs> because you never show up in spaces super rambunctious. I feel like there is a personality type, especially within the media and communications yes, um, environment girl. that we live in and operate in, in our industry here in New York. A lot of mm-hmm. pretension and just yes, and girl, you know I don't oh, like it. Okay, I just be like, oh, okay, everybody right. fall back. Everybody take ten right. steps back into the left. Now exit the stage. Right. Okay? <laughs> uh, exactly. I'm and you know, you, and for that reason, a lot of people will never be on to get my life tour. Quite frankly, because this is not about mm-hmm. the celebrity. This is not about mm-hmm. what you have done. This is about like what it is that has shaped you into the person who you are today and how you show up. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, given all that you have done, what are some of the things that have shaped you? You know, you are your parents' daughter, um, but what else in life caused you to be still water? You know, I think um, a huge part of it, obviously, is the topic that we are going to talk about. really, really navigating life because I mean, we, we just turned 30. And so your twenties is such an important part of your life. And, um, I had to navigate my twenties as I wouldn't say primary, I'm giving all my props to my mom, but as a secondary caregiver to my dad and what that looked like for me. And I think that has played a tremendous part in my growth, who I am, the things that matter, the things that really mm-hmm. don't. Um, and, and beyond that, my faith, you know, while I was navigating this part of my twenties, my faith was also expanding. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in the church, um, but I think there's a difference between growing up in the church and having a relationship with mm-hmm. God. And I think for me, again, like I said, my relationship expanded in my twenties. And I think that the, between the two, these two things that stretched me farther than I wanted to be stretched, put me out of my comfort zone when I really didn't want to be out of it, were the things that kind of make me, as you say, still waters. I, I would never describe myself as that. <laughs> but, you know, as you say it, I'm like, this makes sense. So, yeah, um, my faith and just my experience in taking care of my dad. Yeah. And, you know, I've been privileged to your story about, you know, some of the experiences you've had being a caregiver, mm-hmm. that is such a large responsibility. My mother yeah. is a nurse and mm-hmm. I've watched her go in and out of homes um, as a hospice nurse and at the hospitals that she's worked at. And it is such an intense process. Mm-hmm. You know, people have all kinds of things going on with them and you never know what it's like to actually be in the home 
with that mm-hmm. person. I've literally sat in the car waiting for my mom to go in to check on someone and come out. And her entire demeanor was shift. Mm-hmm. And we just, I've never been in the home and I don't know what it's like. Can you describe what home has been like for you and how that is really, oh, um, really played a role in how you go mm-hmm. out into the world? That's good. Um, that. Oh. You're such a journalist. Such a good question. Um, <laughs> I love it. No. So I guess um, a little background. My dad, you know, he suffered from numerous strokes. He's diabetic and he has dementia. And for me, um, my dad was in a rehab center um, probably about until I was in grad school, I guess 2012, 2013. But I was a huge advocate to the point where um, the rehab center was like, we can't keep him here if his daughter basically is going to keep, keep complaining about the care and, and the care just wasn't mm-hmm. sufficient. And I, I wanted him back home. Um, my mom was a bit hesitant because she thought that this is something that we couldn't handle. But, you know, at the time, my mom, she wasn't retired yet. She was still working. And I think she was just so nervous on putting the burden on me. Um, but I was okay with that because I knew what would happen if he came back home, it would be better care. It was, he'd, he'd be in the comfort of his home. It, it would be a situation where, um, we could keep a close eye on things. And so home, yes, consists of my dad at home with us. He, has a hospital bed and everything. Um, he kind of set up his own room. It's it's my parents' room, but and my mom shares a room with him because she wants to be close with him. <laughs> but um, it's it's their room. We set it up. We have a nurse that comes around the clock. Um, because I I do work from home, I have my room set kind of as an office space and try to try to. I don't know how how do I want to say it. Um somewhat disconnect. And I know it sounds crazy, but when you are looking at a family member, especially a parent so closely like this, and there are going to be days where it is rough and there are going to be days where you feel like, um, there isn't any type of turnaround. There isn't a miracle on the Mm -hmm. other side of this. And so I do use my office space as a kind of a place to disconnect and just, you know, really be in my work. And then there are times when I'm really in my family, um, but that's kind of how my home life is. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. And, you know, I'm going to I want to jump back a little bit because mm-hmm. you're a daddy's girl. I am. <laughs> you go so hard for yeah. him because of mm-hmm. the quality of relationship that you've had with him over the years. Like you said, we are recently 30 and you have lived your entire mm-hmm. life with your daddy. Um, what was mm-hmm. it like? Growing up with him, having this Caribbean man. Okay, she is like blood clot Jamaican. Okay, like she's like <laughs> no. she's like okay, like um, Lydia no. girl. <laughs> okay, she is beef patty. <laughs> Every beef patty. Tell you Jesus. She is Natasha is Jamaican Jamaican. Okay. I love it. Chocolate skin, natural hair, (laughs) very matter of fact. Um, (laughs) What was it like? And I say all I had to say that she grew up in a Caribbean household. Okay. Clearly, I very Caribbean. Not um, Uh. a separatist or anything of that nature. (laughs) (laughs) I can say these things because I'm black. Thank God. Um, But what was it like growing up with this this man? Yeah. You know, so funny enough. Growing up, so definitely a daddy's girl. Like when you say, when you were like, that's such a name, shout out to my parentals. My dad gave me Mm -hmm. my name. Like, you know, I was named after my father um, going on trips. So like, I am definitely my father's child. Um, And it's so, it's so funny how things turn because growing up, um, I was so connected to my mom because my mom wasn't the strict parent technically. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was because he was like both my parents are Jamaican but like my dad was like a real Jamaican man like it's not even just no boys at the house like I don't even want to see you talking to boys kind of thing like (laughs) you know um that's how it was growing up with him but on the flip side I was so appreciative of that like my dad 
instilled so much in me. He instilled so much worth in me that I didn't make just, I didn't make things that were not acceptable, acceptable because of my father. Um, he, he's, he's the person where I know you said like, I'm Jamaican, Jamaican to the bone. And you know, this, I'm like Jamaican, Jamaican to the bone, but I love just being mm-hmm. black. Like, it's not even about being Jamaican. It's just black. Like I love being black. I love black culture. And it's, it's really my dad, you know, my dad was such a cultured man. Like he spent years traveling all around the world. Again, that's how he found, he got my name. Like he went to Russia met some tour guide who spoke seven languages and decided like, you know what, I'm going to name my last daughter that, I mean, one day I'll live up to the seven languages, but <laughs> okay. When, 1.5 is you know for now, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, for him, like I said, you know, just growing up with my dad, he truly instilled a lot of worth in me. Um, he instilled faith in me and he also really just instilled the power of being proud of who you are. Like I was born here. I was born in America, but like he never called his children like American. Like he, you know, you have Jamaican running through your blood. Like my dad tried to instill our roots mm-hmm. in us so much. Um, and, you know, so I, there, there could be siblings who might have hid from it, but like I embrace that and I embrace that about my dad that I was just so curious about my culture and just beyond Jamaican culture just black culture and so that's what it was like growing up with my that's dad that's so dope you know yeah. you are who you are because of you know who you've been called to be right but also because of the role mm-hmm. that he played in your life mm-hmm. now one of the other things that you know, is so poignant is that when someone is suffering with an illness, um, especially one like dementia, it's difficult Mm -hmm. to let go with all of the memories that you have um, of that person. You know, and I understand that your father has been sick for some time. How have you been able to trust God in this process and heal every time or just heal consistently mm-hmm. as consistent as, you know, the hurting may be or um, the grieving process may be for your father. Um, I kind of want to answer that question in Go two ahead. parts because, you know, I think for me, I didn't always respond this way to my dad's mm-hmm. illness. Um, so, Part of it, I want to say thank you to you for saying the grieving process, because I think a lot of people look at grief and think grief is really aligned with death. And that's not always the case. Um, Grief is really just about loss. And the reality is at this current state, that's not like who my dad is right now is not the dad that I grew up with. And um, one of the things that was so hard for me, because like I said, remember how I said I was so curious and, you know, if like I had a question or something came up about back home, Jamaica or anything like it was, I would run to my mom for something specific. Mm. But when it came to those questions about Jamaica, I was always running to my dad. And so, you know, um, in the beginning of his illness, it was hard. Like, it was hard for me to know that, dang, I cannot ask these questions. Um, or the reality was I could ask the questions, but I won't necessarily get the answer. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to really figure out what my dad's state meant for him and what it meant for me as his daughter. And in the beginning, for me, it was just not saying much because I knew he wouldn't respond. And now I'm in a place of you can still talk because the emotion for him is still there. He might just not know how to respond or even want to respond because the reality of his illness is part of it is depression. Like, you know, he's in this state that he cannot control, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I had to really come to terms with ask the question anyway, even if he couldn't answer it. Um, And at that's one part of it. But the other part of this thing. Um, so in 2016, like I said, my dad is also diabetic and um, I think it's the summer 2016. Um, 
thank God for my mom. So I had came home. It was a long work day. Like, you know, sometimes I work from home, sometimes I don't. And I'm not really sure where I was, like what client I was working with. It It's so long ago. But point is, I was I knew I was tired that day, so tired that I kind of just fell asleep on my couch in the, in the midst of talking to my friend. But um, this was, again, like I said, it was at a time when my mom was working and I was relieving my dad's nurse. Mm-hmm. And so when I relieved her, she did let me know that my dad didn't really eat that day. And so typically when my dad, you know, my my, my mom and I, we have a routine. If he doesn't eat, we kind of have this shake that we make um, that would peak his sugar up so it doesn't drop too Mm -hmm. low. And so I knew I was like, okay, he didn't eat. I'll give it to him. But I fell asleep. And um, I wake up like you know when your body wakes up you're not hearing stuff but you feel like there's stuff going around you and so I wake up to the commotion of my mom and she's obviously home and she's like and she's rumbling in the kitchen so I wake up I jump up and I'm like mommy is everything okay and my dad's sugar dropped to about 22 and so when your sugar is that low what that means is um he can go into shock or die um, he was completely white. That's kind of how my mom knew. And we, you know, when you're around this for so long, you kind of know the signs of when someone's sugar is getting low. So he was completely white. And, you know, my dad's sugar has been low before and we've been able to kind of get him back, but this just, it wasn't a state that we could get him back. So we had to call the, um, ambulance and, um, Make them. It's like a saline drip that they put in to kind of shoot it into the bloodstream mm-hmm. a lot quicker than what we would do. And then we took him to the emergency room. And I am when when the the emergency team was there. Um, not to make this story so long, but like I'm like comforting my mom because I can see like she just had this weight about her. And and I think my mom tries so hard to put on face for mm-hmm. us. Um, and on the flip side, I kind of do the same thing for my mom. But in my head, all I was thinking about was, damn, what if my mom did not come home in time? Like, I had fell asleep. And part guilt came over me. And that summer, with a bunch of other things that happened that summer, honestly, that summer, I kind of went into this dark place. Mm. Um, and it it really took... A lot and a lot of things transpired that summer with people I knew, um, and the coming months, and it it really took my faith to realize what is going on with with my dad is not under my control; mm. it's under God's control. Wow! And I think this is <laughs> it, it. Took me a while to get to where I am now, and so that's why I'm so. I don't know if still is the word that I want to use because I, I want to be um, realistic that I still have human emotion. And there are times that I still, you know, feel some type of way. But I'm still, I guess, I'll just use the word positive for right now. But um, positive is the word that I lean to because I had to recognize that anything with my dad, his illness, him getting better or anything like that is not my control. It's not my mom's control. It's not my siblings control. It's nobody but God. And it took me a really long time to get there. And I think it's crazy how things will happen. Like my dad's sugar dropping to 22 and me going into this dark place and kind of putting blame and guilt for me to realize that you got your hand on too much stuff that God said to take your hand off. You know of. what? Yeah, that's the word right there. You know, I'm I here. I'm taking notes, right? <laughs> and what I just wrote down was letting go is the faith part, right? Mm-hmm. And you said, you said, you know, God is saying, take your hands off of it, right? Mm-hmm. What did that process of letting go look like? Um. <clears throat> so. I think part of the process of letting go is knowing that this healing is not going to be perfect Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be the way myself or my mom wants it to be. And I keep saying myself or my mom, I have other siblings. Yes. Um, but I say that because we're the ones, you know, living with my dad. Um, and it's not necessarily going to be the way that we want it to be. He might not even respond the way that, 
we might want him to respond, but it's not in our control. And, and another part of letting go is if you came to me with this podcast, maybe two or three years ago, I would just be so set on the fact that this is my dad's state and that's it. But I don't believe Mm. that, you know, I do believe that God can turn things around and really, really work a miracle. And so that's why I just keep part of me letting go is just saying, this is what it is right now. But there's, it's, there's something that it can be and it can be even better than he was before. That's really good. Wow. You know, all, all things take time, right? And it support is also so important as well. You know, mm-hmm. in addition to your faith, what have you been able to lean on as you, you let go, as you heal, and as you just live your life? Like in the midst of everything that goes on in the house and you being in a relationship with your parents and being a caretaker, you still have to take care of Natasha. You are mm-hmm. 100% responsible for yourself. Um, but what has your support system looked like? I am so grateful to my friends, people like you, my line sisters, sorors, um, my family, because it like it takes a village is not a cliche. It really isn't. There are people who consistently ask how my dad is doing you know we hang out like and I think the other part is people don't use um my dad's situation to kind of define my current Mm. state like you know I'm still able to go out and do all of the things that a normal 30 year old would do it just it it may look a little bit different and my friends accept that and know that and are okay with that. Um, and like, even with you, like, you know, we hang out, we laugh and we like all the time. And it's as if nothing is happening at home and it's never this constant reminder that this thing is at home. It's just, I'm just going to be present with Natasha. And so I'm so grateful that I have people who really know how to just be present Mm -hmm. with me. Um, and that's really just a powerful support system. I'm, I'm grateful for my family, um, who, even if it's like, you know, my dad's siblings, um, they might not necessarily be, um, checking in with me, but that they're always supporting my mom. And that helps me a lot because I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of my dad. Yes. But I'm really here to support my mom, take care of him because she, I like my mom, this podcast is for my parents. Like, and I could not do what my mom does. And I'm grateful that I have like my aunts and my uncles who support her and check in on her and just, you know, really help to be a light, even when it seems like things are bleak. And so, again, like I, my family and my friends, like you guys do an exceptional job of just being you guys and just being present. You, you are so loved and it is Mm -hmm. so necessary that you are loved, you know, as a woman who is just on her way, you are killing it, right? <laughs> you know, Thank I want to take it outside of home because you are killing it. And in the same yeah. way that people show up for you, you show up for others. Um, how have you been? Pra- how have you been able to practice showing up for yourself? Right, sanity, mental wellness, mental mm-hmm. fitness, spiritual fitness, and wellness is mm-hmm. so important. Oh my gosh, we carry so much, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so easy to just get wrapped up in our circumstances. Mm -hmm. But how have you been able to, you know, practice showing up for yourself so that you stay sane, right? And so that you stay on course? Mm -hmm. You know, as you know, I love to travel. Um, And that's a huge part of it. I think a lot of people, you know, when they see... Um, some people who travel, it's just like, oh, this is just another passport stamp or anything. And it's, yes, I'm such a culture person and I really love exploring other people's cultures. But for me, it's like a sanity thing. Like, you know, some people like they can't live without Mm -hmm. something like I, I, I don't get nervous or anxious at all about being on a plane. Like I get this weird high. I'm girl. I'm weird. (laughs) But point is I'm real weird. But you know, part of it is kind of knowing that thing that keeps you balanced Mm -hmm. and, you know, travel is that for me. And I do try 
to at least go somewhere. And and I've been doing that even when my mom was not retired. And so, you know, bring it into home when my mom wasn't retired. I was the one because she worked a night shift. So I was the one relieving my dad's nurse. But my mom and I, we communicated so well and where I wasn't saying no to a trip that I wanted to go on um, because I still wanted to somewhat while I had to grow up faster than I wanted to. I still wanted to maintain my young adulthood Mm -hmm. and um she was so supportive of that as well and so we would work out a schedule with myself my mom and the nurses so that I was able to freely travel and keep myself balanced um that was one I love hanging out with my friends um and so And I'm grateful that I said that I had friends who kind of understood my circumstance, like they were still present, but still understood. And so that meant like, oh, let's meet up a little bit earlier to give us enough time because I know you got to relieve, you know, your dad's nurse or anything like that. And so like traveling, hanging out with my friends, you know, really going out. Um, I'm such a huge, huge art lover Mm -hmm. and I love going to museums, as you know, (laughs) like I would Another thing like I really would do is I was going to museums a lot on my breaks. Um, like I said, I do work from home. There are days there I'm not working from home. I'm working elsewhere. Or, you know, when I did, when I was working at NYU, I'd be at NYU a mm-hmm. lot. But again, um, when I was working from home, I made sure I took a break to get out of the yeah. house. And I would get out of the house, like I said, and really, really, like, just go to a museum and just really just be in golfed in the art in the museum and that these things kind of helped me keep balance you know i love sarah jake we love sarah jakes roberts okay we're gonna yes, put it on the sarah jakes roberts is gonna be yes. on this podcast okay and it's gonna be she late will. yes she okay will. it will and one of the things she said is that you have to have a strategy for your favor and mm-hmm. oh my gosh i had that written down on a sticky note at my desk and i was like okay let me start strategizing okay um mm-hmm. But one of the things that just came to mind, and that's the reason why she, I brought her up, is that because you have a strategy for your stress. And mm-hmm. I think that it is so important. I now know to go take a lap around a block, okay? When when the block mm-hmm. is hot, I'm like, let me get out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I don't want to be responsible for any bad history that takes place, okay? Um, so I'm like, let me go take a walk, right? You doing things like going to museums on your break or being in spaces that energize you is so important. But you also, you know, in giving kudos to your friends, know how to surround yourself with people when you are going through. Everybody mm-hmm. cannot go with you, right? Nope. On the last stop nope. of the Get My Life Tour, I talked about going the distance for and by yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think that mm-hmm. I really want you to touch on the importance of the company you keep when you Ooh, are going Lydia. through. <laughs> I wish for two seconds this was live so people could see me with my hands <laughs> in the air. Um, wow, that's such a... Good question. And like I said, if again, if you had this recording um, two or three years ago, I think my responses would be 100% mm-hmm. different. Um, the company that you keep is so important. And girl, you know, we hear our parents say that all the time. Like you are the company you keep. And I was that I was that kid that told my parents, like, look at who you raise. Like, I'm so strong willed. Like, I'm good. Like, I can keep whatever company and still be mm-hmm. me. Um, but it's not true. And um for me, my dad's illness opened my eyes to the dead weeds that were in my life and the people that had to go. And that did not mean that these are bad people. Um, it did not mean that they are not, um, you know, good friends. They just were not good for me. And they were not good for where I was going. Um, and so, you know, they had to go. Um, and and it and it sucked because it was it was people that you know you've been around for so long, but I think my my dad's my dad's illness without a doubt, you know, taught me the power of the people around you and who's feeding mm-hmm. into you. And in the earlier years, 
um, I wasn't being fed the right food. It was like being fed like Pringle, dumb dusty Pringle trips because Pringle is not real potatoes or anything <laughs> like that. Like, like, you know, junk food and, and it junk food, it tastes good. It's cool. It's fun to eat or whatever, but it's not good for you. And after a while, I had to really take a step back and really examine my circle. Who were these people around? And like you said, who were the people that could go the distance? Um, and I wanted to be so intentional on building a circle that could go the distance and a circle that would be here for me and also for the circumstances that I was dealing with. Um, and not everybody can do that. And that's okay. Some people don't know how to deal with something as drastic as, you know, what ill parent or what have you. Um, but yeah, like I, like I said, his his illness and his current state right now, it really did teach me the power of the people around you. And that when you make the shift with the people around you, you know, even your perspective mm -hmm. may change. And it, it really did for me. Wow. You know, I really felt the need to ask that question because some of us mm -hmm. become so lonely in suffering mm -hmm. silence when we are going mm -hmm. through. And I don't think we take inventory of who is around us. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's mm -hmm. like, oh, call me if you need something. Tell me what you need. And I'm like, I don't need to make mm -hmm. another decision right now. What I need mm -hmm. for you to do is just show up for me based mm -hmm. on the experience we've had together and how we are in relationship. And I don't right. think people really take the time to think about that. I was, mm -hmm. you know, doing this webinar on LinkedIn learning. And it was with Sheryl Sandberg and I believe mm -hmm. the other man's name is Adam Grant, I could be botching his name, but I, I took, <laughs> I was watching the webinar because it was all about resiliency and all these other things. And mm -hmm. this woman has been through a lot in her life and I respect her. And I was like, okay, let me actually take this course. And she mm -hmm. talked about not asking people what they need when they are going through a life change or traumatic experience yes. because it gives them another yes. responsibility. Yes. And she literally gave yes. the example of someone she knew being in a hospital and her um, friend, you know, was like, okay, what, what would you like? Um, and, it was like, okay, don't ask them a question. Tell them, okay, mm -hmm. ask them how do they like their burger instead of asking them if they want a burger. And it's like mm -hmm. when you ask them how they like their burger, they'll just tell you, but you don't have to make them make another decision. And then she also gave the example of someone waiting in the waiting room. And instead of asking like, hey, what time can I see you? That person shot them a text from the waiting room and said, hey, I'm in the waiting room from this time to this time. If you just want to come down and get a hug, like if you don't want to get a hug, it's fine. I'll still be here. And I was just like, hmm. wait, the level mm -hmm. of intentionality. You know, your mm -hmm. friend's shooting you a text or saying, let's go to brunch at this time, this time. It is so important. And I'm sure that that plays a role in the way that you show up for others and yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, It, without a doubt, it does. And I think you said something so important, like not asking people what they need, because again, like it gives them something else to think about. And it, like I said, it's so, it's so crazy how you're asking this question, because I even think back to years ago where that was such a big chunk of my circle, you know, everything that was being asked, it was something else to kind of think mm -hmm. about. And it wasn't just showing up. And then when I started to see the people who did just show up without me saying anything, you know, like I, the time when my dad was sick, um, and this was a friend that I had probably met maybe like about a year ago. And she was just like, um, I hope this is okay, but I'm coming, you know, to the hospital. So, I could see your dad. And it, it, it wasn't like a, you know, can I come? Mm -hmm. Can I get a ride with you to go to the hospital? It was just, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll let you know, you know, when I'm downstairs. Um, and I don't, I don't think people, and again, you know, a lot of people just don't know how to deal with certain circumstances. Um, but do know what you need. Mm when dealing with those circumstances and I had to recognize even when I was really going to this like this dark space that part of it was I didn't 
have the support that I really, really needed. Um, and I had to make a shift and I, and like I said, I was, I was that kid for a long time that thought like, ah, the company that you keep, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I had to go through things to realize, Oh, there goes. My parents were actually right. And the company that you keep is so important. It, it really is so important. You know, speaking of your dark mm-hmm. space, how did you find mm-hmm. light? And how did you come out of that dark space so that you could be present for yourself and get to where you mm-hmm. are now? So part of the dark space, I'm going to, um, I had to realize what I was doing wasn't normal. Um, part of it was, so I would, <laughs> I would do this weird thing where I'd open my laptop, I would work, and then I would look and stare at my screen and then be like, I'm going to take a nap. And I'll just take a nap. <laughs> and I was taking a lot of naps and I'm like, and I'm, and I realized I wasn't tired. Um, mm. And, and I had to come to the terms with you're taking naps because you did not want to be awake with this reality. Um, and I truly am grateful. I'm really going to shout her out. She's going to be like, what are you doing? But I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for all of my line sisters. But um, I'm extremely grateful for my line sister, Sade, because I think she started to recognize um, something was just a little off. And she would hit me up. She took me out. Um, and she took me out and knew the stuff that I needed. And she gave me room to to just talk about it. And and also gave me room to say, um, I'm not okay. Because some people don't give you room to say that. Some people try to shove it and say, because yes, I'm strong. Yes, I have resilience or whatever. But people often look at the strong friend and feel like they don't have things that they go through mm-hmm. as well. And there are people who don't give you room as a strong friend to say, I am not okay. And she gave me that room among other people. Like I had, you know, Neos who were calling me so much and like something I'm getting this vibe. Like, I mean, I'm not even living in New York. And I had one particular Neo who was like, I'm, she was away in LA and she felt something and called to check. And like I said, gave me the room to say, I'm not okay. Um, and because they gave me that room, it opened up my eyes to realize, wow, I'm actually really not. And I needed to take the steps to get out of this place. Mm-hmm. But again, this wasn't under my control. Yeah, This was under God's control. And so um, I had to recognize what were the things that I needed to do or what were the things that God was telling me to do for me to get out of this space um, seek therapy, you know, and even if it was, cause I, at the, I think at the time my insurance was pretty off. So, cause I think my alliances was trying to get me to go to a therapy session. I was like, I couldn't even, I couldn't even do it then. Um, and so God really opened my eyes. Okay. You can't go to a paid service, figure out other resources. And he did mm. like, I was able to download apps. I was able to, um, speak to other people, you know, and speak freely to other people. Um, and I really prayed, you know, at that time, my prayer was, I knew that this was not my permanent space. Just give me the strength to just come out of this temporary mm. situation and not do anything you know, or make any decision that would be permanent. So, you know, that was really just my constant prayer. And that's kind of how I saw the light. Oh my gosh. I'm over here taking deep breaths. Thank (laughs) you so much for being so transparent and vulnerable. You know, I too have like been in, you know, stints of depression and mm-hmm. it is so real. And at times mm-hmm. it's really hard to even just look around the room for the mm-hmm. crack, you know, yep. of the door to find the light. Um, mm-hmm. And like, sometimes you just want to sit there. You don't even want to reach to feel your way around. I, I love right. that people were able to be light for you and that you were able to like walk towards that 
and come mm-hmm. out on top. We don't want to talk about depression as believers. We don't want to talk no. about, you know, being weak as a strong friend. Um, mm-hmm. That's not sexy. That's not cool. That's not what's trending. And, you know, everybody's talking about check on your strong friend now because it is trendy. Um, but, you mm-hmm. know, people really don't be calling. No. You know, no one's sliding <laughs> no. into your DMs. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm no. good. Um, I'm not, but I am, but I'm not, but I will be (laughs) eventually. Right. right? right. Um, so thank you so much for being real about that. You know, I charge everyone who is listening to this to not fall into, um, the shallowness of what is trending Mm -hmm. when it comes to being in relationship with other people, like friendships are relationships too. And it is so important to be who you need. Right. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, and I know for fact that you are who you need, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just so powerful. What advice do you have for other, you know, women and men who are loving and who are in the process of letting go of a loved one, a parent, a cousin, a friend, mm. um, who just isn't and cannot be who they have always been to them? Mm-hmm. Um. And my advice, and and, and a huge chunk of this this is going to be a spiritual kind Mm -hmm. of advice. Um, If, you know, if you have a spiritual relationship um, with God and there's something tugging at you that's saying, this just can't be it, it's not. Um, And for me... You know, with my dad, just something keeps tugging. My dreams keep tugging at me like this just can't be it. Like there has to be a way where he'll start talking more. He'll start verbalizing more. He'll start walking just a little bit more. And I truly believe that God can work a miracle. And so for the people who believe that also, stand firm in that. Um, And I say stand firm in that because the reality won't look like what the miracle looks like. Mm. And a lot of times we, and I say we, cause I'm a part of that. We, we look so much at the reality um, and disregard that feeling, that intuition that this just can't be it. There has to be a little bit more. Um, and so my biggest advice is um, don't allow the reality to dim the light on what God has already told you canon will be a miracle. That's one thing. Um, I think the other piece to, because the, you know, another part of this is this can just be it. Um, this can just be, well, this is just the state that they're in. And if that is find a way to meet that individual where they are, because while it's hard for you, it's also hard for them. Um, you know, if, you know, you might have a parent or a loved one who's fighting this kind of terminal illness or, you know, this disease and you're like, you, you're trying to figure out how to move on because this is just not the loved one that you knew. Um, understand that you, yes, heal yourself, um, take the next necessary steps to figure out how you can adapt to this person, this new loved one, but also still show up for them because while you've lost your loved one, they're losing themselves. And that's just as hard for them as it is for you. My goodness. The amount of faith, the amount of strength, the amount of resiliency, the commitment that you have made to your father, to your mother, to God, to your family, to yourself. It it is breathtaking. Like, I really do not have many more words. Um, I am moved to silence. I know I have to keep talking because it is a podcast Mm -hmm. and I'm becoming overwhelmed with emotion. But I can't thank you for being, just being. Thank you. You know, this... This episode, this stop on a tour, is 
for your mother, for your father. You know, I know mm-hmm. we don't have much more time left, but briefly talk to them. Um, what what love note do you Ooh. have for your parents? Oh, that's so good. Um, for my mom, you know, when you do listen to this, thank you. Just thank you for who you are and just thank you for your sacrifice. Um, there are a lot of people who might not be able to do what you do. Um, you, you know, at the time when you were working, you worked in a hospital. So you took care of sick people and then came home and did that for your husband. And you did that with such a level of resiliency where, um, if something was going on, you were not sharing it because you just did not want to put the burden on me you know, or my sister. And I truly love you. I honor the woman that you are. And I just hope that I can be half of the mother and wife that you have been. Um, and I, I just, I respect my mother so, so, so much. Um, to my dad, you know, you might not be able to say your corny jokes that you normally would say, or we might not be able to have our real deep cultural conversations that we normally have, but I will still show up and show out for you every single day until it's my last. Um, I honor you. I honor you for every single thing that you've taught me. Um, And I know that you might not be able to fully respond when you hear this podcast. Cause I know my mom going to play it for you. Um, but I'm hoping that it makes your heart smile to know that there's people around you still believing in a miracle and still believing that you're going to come out this better than you were when you went in. Love you guys. <sighs> you know, I almost don't want to ask you for a mic drop moment, <laughs> but I, but I have, but I have to ask if you have one. If not, we can end with a love note. Um, the flesh of me gonna say end with a love note, but I do believe that while this podcast is for my parents, um, I think part of this podcast is also my ministry, and I don't want to disregard that Mm. um and so my mic drop um one of the things I do want to say is which is something that I had to write on my wall and um keep it on my mirror and what I have to do in some seasons won't be popular but will be required for my purpose and so in my case um you know, out of my friends, what I have to do is rare. And I can't always rely on a friend to fully understand the capacity of taking care of a parent. But for whatever reason, God has put this on my family. I think it's definitely required for my purpose. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do have to go through things to just stretch us further than we wanted to, to get us on the other side. Um, so, you know, my mic drop is don't allow this birthing process to strip you from where you are supposed to go. Look, I think this is one of the first episodes where I have been completely <laughs> like speechless. You are such a fountain. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. You know what? I am so grateful that you took the time to be so present here. Mm -hmm. You are in Brooklyn. I am in Harlem. And you have so much that you have to do throughout the days. And I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been nothing shy of a blessing for me. Mm. And I really pray and hope 
that you have been blessed by this conversation, regardless of how you are in relationship with your parents. Mm. And if you are no longer in relationship with your parent because of natural, spiritual, physical, or whatever reason, I pray that you still take something away from this conversation. Mm-hmm. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. You are so welcome. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I don't have many more words to say. Um, you can tell them how to best get connected with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are going to just wrap up because I'm done. <laughs> um, first, you know, Thank you, Lydia, for having this, um, you know, part part of this was, you know, therapeutic for me. Um, and I really, really appreciate you so much. And I really appreciate our relationship so much. Um, you guys can get connected with me on Instagram at Natasha Jolene. So that's N-A-T-A-S-H-A-J-O-L-E-E-N. Um You can slide into my DMs as long as it's appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) And we, you know, will absolutely stay connected. I love connecting with people, especially women, and really just talking about purpose. So, yeah. Yes. Get connected with her. Be intentional. Um, Greet her when you slide into her DMs. Please. Um, (laughs) You know how you can get connected with me. And if you don't know... Follow the Get My Life Tour on all social platforms. On Twitter, there's a little exception. It's at Get My Life Tour. You can connect with me on all social platforms at Lydia T. Blanco. This has been an incredible stop on the tour. Natasha, thank you. Gracias. Thank you. I love you you too. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Stay tuned for the next stop on the tour. Until then, peace.